In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. I'd like to welcome you all to our Perseverance Family Conversation. And as always, it's great to be with all of you. And we love to begin our conversation by inviting Mary to be with us. Mary has many beautiful titles, among which would be Mary is the Mother of God, Mary is the mother of the church, and Mary is the mother of each and every one of us. Mary is the mother of God, Mary is the mother of the church, and she's the mother of each and every one of us. So let's <coughs> invite Mary, who was also known as our, our life, our sweetness, and our hope, to, um, to be with us, to accompany us to pray for us and to pray with us. Now let's pray the prayer that she loves most and that prayer, of course, is the, is the Hail Mary. So together, let's pray the angelic salutation, the Hail Mary. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed the fruit of thou Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Now let's turn to our spiritual director. Our spiritual director. That spiritual director is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has many wonderful titles, among which would be he's known as the Paraclete. He's also known as the Gift of Gifts. Holy Spirit is also known as the Sweet Guest of Our Souls. Holy Spirit is also known as our Consoler. He's also known as our counselor. He's also known as our interior master. What do we mean by interior master is that he teaches us from within, especially how to pray. I like to quote Romans chapter 8, St. Paul reminds us with these words. We really don't know how to pray as we ought. But the Holy Spirit intercedes with ineffable groans. Groans so that we can say Abba. Abba which means Daddy or Father. So let's lift our hearts, our minds, our souls, our gaze to the Holy Spirit and beg Him to give us a lot of light in our intellect and the fire of love to burn within our hearts. As we pray together the classical prayer to our sanctifier, our sanctifier, and that is the Holy Spirit. Together. Come, Holy Spirit, 
fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle within us the fire of your divine love. Send forth your spirit and they shall be created. Thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, it instruct the hearts of your faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit. Grant us that by the same Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Well, Lady Guadalupe, pray for us. Saint Joseph, pray for us. Saint Michael the Archangel, pray for us. Saint Gabriel, pray for us. Saint Raphael, pray for us. Saint John the Baptist, pray for us. Saint Ignatius of Loyola, pray for us. Saint Maria Faustina Kowalska, pray for us. All God's angels and saints, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. How true it is, my friends, the saying of Father Patrick Payton, the family that prays together stays together. We start off our conversation by praying together. Then uh, I will be praying for you and your intentions in the greatest of all prayers today. And that is the holy sacrifice of the Mass. It's true that of all the prayers in the world, the holy sacrifice of the Mass is by far the greatest of all prayers. If we have a chance even to go to daily Mass, we should make an effort to to go to daily Mass to receive the Eucharist, which is truly and substantially the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ himself. So my first intention will be that we would be open to to open to the presence and the inspirations of the Holy Spirit. Indeed, our sanctification depends in large part upon being open and docile to the inner workings of the Holy Spirit. Perhaps this this can be our prayer during the course of the day. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come to the heart of Mary. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come to the heart of Mary. My second intention, I'd like to pray 
for you and your family members. Most of you have some family member, often it's a young adult, sometimes even grandchildren, that are disgruntled with the church, maybe angry with the church, or more often than not, simply indifferent to the church. Maybe there's an, not an outright hostility to the church, but basically a who-cares attitude, a flippant, nonchalant, brushing off the church as something irrelevant. So I'd like to pray for your children that they would come back. And after I offer the last intention, I'd like to tell a story that I heard to motivate us to try to bring, bring people back to church. So my third intention will be, as is my custom, to pray for the conversion of sinners, but most especially I'd like to pray for the conversion of of deathbed sinners, those who will be dying this day, perhaps not in the state of grace, perhaps not in the state of grace. All right, recently I heard on Catholic Radio, one of the most well-known Catholic hosts, uh, Patrick Madrid, uh, an experience that he had. I'd like to share this with you so that we would we would try to bring people back to church. He said this many times, but the biggest religious group in our country are non-practicing Catholics. So this is the story. Patrick Madrid said that this maybe happened about 30 years ago. He said this possibly happened in Saginaw, Michigan, that he was giving a, a conference and an elderly man who was maybe in his late 70s, early 80s, gave up and he, and he gave testimony. And he said that he was a Catholic, uh, but something happened to him that made him turn away from the church for decades, for a long period of time. What happened was he had some type of quarrel uh, with a with a priest, and this made him so angry that he turned off his relationship to the Catholic Church. Not only that, but he became very bitter against the Catholic Church. Angry and bitter. 
Whenever you'd be talking to someone about Catholicism, he would just be be very angry and level all the arguments against the Catholic Church. So this went on for a long time. Until something happened. He met another Catholic and he started to spew out his venom against the Catholic Church who was just unloading. This man, he simply listened very patiently toward the the great anger and bitterness that this man had had expressed against the church. But instead of trying to defend the church, this humble man put his arms around this man and said, you know, you're always welcome to come back to the Catholic Church. This is if his his heart melted in that moment. This icy heart that had rejected Catholicism for decades was melted. This man said he went back to confession and came back to church and there publicly in front of 600 people he broke down and wept for about 30 seconds. It's a, it's, my friends, it's a great story. It's a great story. It's a story that I think all of us can understand. We want to try to bring people back to church. Sometimes it will come about by giving them biblical verses, using apologetical skills, by maybe correcting errors. But sometimes it will come about by simply listening to a person unload his anger, his bitterness. Patiently listening. Patiently listening to someone can be indeed a great act of charity. How often it happens in the life of priests that person will come in to talk with us very angry, complaining, pounding his or her fist, maybe raising it, raising her voice, grabbing onto the Kleenex, more Kleenex, crying, complaining for 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 25 minutes, half hour. And then the lady says, thank you very much, Father, because you have resolved my problem. The interesting thing is I never even opened up my mouth. Fact of the matter is that I never planned to open up my mouth because I knew, I, I knew that that person simply wanted to to unload. So that's, uh, that's uh, 
a story I'd like to share with you at the beginning of our conversation that we want to do all we possibly can. We want to do all we possibly can to bring back the wandering Catholics to the Catholic faith. And I repeat that the biggest, most numerous group in our country are Catholics, but they're non-Catholic, non-practicing Catholics. Venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen once said, Few people leave the church for what the church teaches, but for what they think the church teaches, which is erroneous. All right, so today, once again, we have the prophet Isaiah. The responsorial psalm is... O God, let all the nations praise you. O God, let all the nations praise you. In the Gospel, once again, we encounter St. John the Baptist. When I was reading through the first reading today, there's something that jumped out at me that I'd like to expound upon. And it said, Blessed is the man who does this, the son of man who holds to it, who keeps the Sabbath free from profanation, keeps the Sabbath. So I'd like to uh, talk <coughs> about the whole concept of the Sabbath. Of the Sabbath. Now, I'd like to give you like a, a biblical um, reflection upon the Sabbath. The, the Jewish people, even to this day, they celebrate the Sabbath the Sabbath for the Jewish people is actually Saturday. Even to this day, pious Jews will go to their synagogue on the Sabbath. Now what about us? We as Catholics, yes, we honor the Sabbath. But for us, for us it's on Sunday. So every Sunday is like a mini Easter all during the course of the year. It is the very heart of the week is the, for us it's Sunday. We celebrate the, the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And we have actually a commandment that refers to the Sabbath. It's the third commandment. Remember to keep holy the Sabbath. So the very heart of our week should be the Sabbath, the Sunday. 
And it's the <coughs> kernel of the heart of our week. It's a day in which we're called to rest, but also to pray. To rest, but also to pray. Now, John Paul II, in the early 80s, wrote a document, and it's Latin that I've posted for you. It's not dies domine, dies domine. And the translation would be the, the day of the Lord. In time, you eventually might read read some of the documents of John Paul II. This is a relatively short document that was uh, written about 30 years ago in which John Paul II speaks about how to live out the Sabbath rest. Now, I'd like to try to give you kind of a summary of that document to John Paul II, and eventually you might, you might just go through that and read it. It's not that long, and it's not hard to understand. Some of his documents are more intellectual, more, more heavy, which have to be kind of plowed through, plowed through like the snow falling in New England in the middle of winter. But he points out two, two ideas. It's a day, first and foremost, in which we want to go to Mass. And he mentions a, a phrase that all Americans can understand. It's called the weekend mentality. Unfortunately for many, even Catholics in this, in this country, the weekend mentality would be Saturday and Sunday tend to blur together. Now, what do you do on Saturday? You people, many of you work, many of you work Monday through Friday, many of you. So Saturday, what do you do? You go to the store, you do the laundry, you clean the house, take out the trash, clean the garage, or eat all that physical, somewhat hard work, the hard chores. But sad to say, that extends into Sunday. So it's kind of blur, you're blurring the Saturday and the Sunday. That's what John Paul II is saying. Such that to the extent of being so engaged in these um, mundane chores, which they're not sinful, but such that you crowd out, you actually crowd out what's most important, and that is the Lord, the Lord of the Sabbath. Such that you're so engaged in these activities that, well, I don't have enough time to go to Sunday because I'm busy right now uh, cleaning my home. And this is more common than you're aware of. And John Paul II denounces this. This could all also be called the danger of what is condemned as 
There I put it for you. Activism. Activism. Becoming a workaholic. John Paul II will also call it horizontalism. We go to horizontal, but we don't have the vertical dimension of our lives. So in the document, John Paul II will highlight the importance of our Sunday, our Sabbath rest has as its foundation <coughs> to go to Mass. So every Sunday, make sure that Mass is the very heart, the very kernel of your Sunday. I would be even as bold to say this, because I've been a priest for many years and working almost all my priestly years in the context of a parish, not always, but most of my time, is it's a very common phenomenon to arrive late at Mass. Remember, I was in Cordoba and an oblate priest was transferred to Cordoba and one of the first things he asked the people was this question, what time does the 8 o'clock Mass start here? What time does the 8 o'clock Mass start here? Facetiously he was saying, well, do we, say that, do we start the Mass on time or do we start it maybe 10 minutes late? And unfortunately, many people arrive two, three, four, five, ten minutes late to Mass. In other words, there's the Cain and Abel con complex. Are you Cain or Abel? Cain was giving the Lord his leftovers. Abel was giving the Lord his best firstfruits. What is your name? Hopefully your name is not Canabel. Hopefully your name is not Canabel. But rather your name should be Abel. So I'm trying to enable you to take the right step in arriving at Mass. Not only on time, but arrive at Mass a few minutes early. We know from experience when we arrive late for Mass, we're distracted during Mass. I like to use sports analogies. I played sports when I was younger. I played baseball. There would always be warm-ups before we would get out into the baseball field. We call it the diamond. We'd first do our warm-ups. Otherwise, you you pull a muscle, you pull a hamstring, and you're out for <coughs> you're out for four weeks. So, if we have to do physical warm-ups, we have to do physical warm-ups to get into the mood of our sports activity. The same thing should apply to our spiritual life. That's why Saint Ignatius of Loyola. 
he gives us what are called the spiritual exercises. And he compares spiritual exercises to physical exercises. Physical exercises to spiritual exercises. So while it must be very <coughs> appreciative and thankful for the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. Be very appreciative or thankful for the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. And following the dictates of Vatican II, strive to participate fully, actively, and consciously in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. That's right. To, to participate fully, actively, and consciously in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. And of course, the culminating point in Mass would be the consecration leading to the communion. You want to make sure that you all make a, a real concerted effort to being in the state of grace, of course, to receive Holy Communion with faith, fervor, and devotion. Now, that's the first part of the document of John Paul II, Dies Domine. But John Paul II also follows up saying that the, the day of the Lord the day of the Lord should also be a day of rest, but also a day in which we make a real sincere effort to establish deeper family bonds. Deeper family bonds. That's right, deeper family bonds. We have a tendency to be too busy. And how often we say, well, I don't have time. Saying that I have no time can be a misnomer or even a cliche. Because the fact of the matter is, that we all have 24 hours in the day, all of us, but all too often we don't utilize that time in the best way possible. So after we've accomplished the most important thing by participating in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, Sunday should be family day. Sunday should be family day. A day set aside to grow in your relationship with the other members of your family. And that simply means you've got to find time to be with your family members. 
the finance experts say time is money. I would say, as a follower of Christ, trying to express our real concern and love for others, time is a manifestation of our love for that person. We want to give our family members not simply our money, but we want to give them our time. Let me tell you this story. There was a um, a man, a father of family that was very busy, every day working long hours, and he had a son that was about eight years old, and he basically saw his father very rarely because his father would come back from work later than nine o'clock, and the son was already in bed. So one occasion, the father arrives about 9.15 and goes in the kitchen to prepare himself his meal. And he hears a voice that says, Dad, come here. And it was his son. And he said, yes, what would you like? He said, well, how much money do you make every hour? The father says, well, that's none of your business. Well, just tell me. Well, I make $20 an hour. So, father went back to the kitchen, placed his plate in the microwave, and he heard once again the voice of his son, Dad, come here. So he goes into the bedroom, and the son said, well, yeah, what do you want? He said, I'd like you to give me $10. Why? Well, just give me $10. Father said, well, I work very hard to make my money. Okay, here's $10. So the father goes back to the kitchen, and his plate is heated up in the microwave, and once again he hears, Dad, come here. So he goes into the room of his son, and the son says, open up your hands. And the son has cupped in his hands something. And he places in his father's hands that $10 bill, another $5 bill, four ones, three quarters, two dimes, and five pennies. And the son says to the father, here is $20, I'd like to buy an hour of your time. What do you think about that story? It's a tearjerker. But in the United States, we try to buy love by buying material gifts. 
Whereas really what your son or your daughter wants is not so much your money. But wants your heart. And wants your time. So let's learn how to, let's learn how to give. Let's learn the art of giving. St. Paul says there's much more joy in giving than in receiving. I know that that story is very powerful, but it's very real. We simply say, I don't have time. But I like to just re-emphasize that we do not have time for God. We really don't love God. We don't have time for a husband or a wife. We really don't love that wife or husband that much. We don't have time for our children. Do we really love our children? Fortunately, all of us, all of us have time for our cell phone, which we spend probably hours every day on our cell phone. How much time do we spend with our family members? So what I'm doing, my friends, is I'm taking Isaiah, who says, who keeps the Sabbath free from profanation? I'm trying to comment upon the whole concept of the Sabbath, taking it from the Old Testament to the New Testament, connecting the whole Sabbath rest to the document of John Paul II, which you can see on the screen, Dies Domine, which means the Day of the Lord, which came out in the early 90s, about 30 years ago. Now, I'm explaining to you all, I'm explaining to all of you the two different dimensions of the Sabbath rest. The first and the most important is that we're called every Sunday for us to sanctify Sunday by going to Mass, arriving on time, placing our own intentions on the altar participating fully, actively, and consciously. Not being a spiritual bench warmer, but getting up and receiving Holy Communion. Receiving the Eucharist fervently. And then, as an offshoot of 
participating in the holy sacrifice of the Mass, or receive our Lord into my heart with great love, then I leave Mass and I try to manifest my love for God by the way I treat and love my brothers and sisters. And of course, charity begins at home. Charity begins at home. So this being the case, what are ways in which families can really bond together? What are ways in which families can truly bond together? What are ways? Well, we as uh, religious, we live in community. And our founder, Venerable Brunland Terry, said that the daily agape, agape for we as religious should be the the daily meal that we spend together. Meal time. That's right, meal time. I would invite all of you to capitalize to take advantage of the the meal time you have every day, but especially on Sunday. It's worth telling you another story. All these stories are related to the topic of our relationship with God and a relationship with God by a relationship with others. This I saw on a YouTube probably about three years ago, and it really impressed me. And this is a story of a of a grandfather that lived with his daughter, son-in-law, and two grandchildren. This grandfather had lost his wife, and now he was part of his daughter's family. So the YouTube shows him at the door when his grandchildren are coming back from school. He has the door open and his grandson comes in and he's just looking at his cell phone and he doesn't even recognize his grandfather, much less greet him at the door. Upon the heels of the grandson is the granddaughter. She also is busy responding to a text message on her phone. Nor does she greet her grandfather who has the door open for her. In other words, these grandchildren were totally oblivious to their grandfather. Didn't even recognize the fact that the grandfather was waiting for them with the door open, 
to warmly greet them. Not long after that, the family sits down to table for dinner. And now sitting at the table are the two grandchildren the grandfather's daughter and her husband. The meal is already served. They start to eat, but each one of them, the granddaughter, the grandson, the daughter, the son-in-law, they're all so absorbed in their electronic device that they're totally oblivious to the other members that are sitting at the table. The only one who does not have the electronic device is the grandfather. And he sits down and he starts he starts conversation. He's recounting something that had happened to him during the course of the day. And he's talking and talking and talking. Not one member of the family manifests any interest in what the grandfather is saying. So out of sheer frustration, the grandfather takes his glass and he drops it on the ground. It shatters and makes a loud noise. And they all look up. And with tears in his eyes, the grandfather says, you know, It used to be that we were able to talk to each other. We'd be able to talk to each other. We we're able to share. We we're able to enjoy each other's presence. We we're able to tell experiences in our lives, anecdotes, some humoristic stories. We really enjoyed sharing with, with each other. But he said, lately, lately since everyone has their own electronic device, I feel left out. I feel as if I have no importance. I feel as if I'm just a roadblock or burden in the family. 
that moment the daughter, her eyes well up with tears. She takes her cell phone, that of her husband's, and tells the children to give her their apparatus. And they're put in another room. And the daughter says to her father, Forgive me, forgive us for our selfishness thinking only about ourselves and not thinking about who you are and how important you are in our family. From now on, from now on when we sit down at table, It won't be a time to sit down to receive text messages, to send text messages, to check out YouTubes, to check out the news. No. When we sit down, we'll sit down with the purpose of nourishing our bodies, but especially of nourishing and strengthening strengthening our family bonds. My friends, given that in eight days from today, eight days from today will be Christmas Eve. Then we'll have the day of Christmas and the Christmas week. Not only are these days in which we give gifts, in which we give gifts as well as we receive gifts, but we should recognize that the greatest gift of Christmas the greatest gift of Christmas is not a physical gift. The greatest gift of Christmas is a person. And that person is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is the gift of gifts. But if Jesus is also the gift of gifts, he gave us, shortly before he gave himself on the cross, he gave us the last and the greatest of all the commandments. There at the Last Supper. There at the Last Supper, in the context of a meal. We've been talking about the context of a family meal. There in the context of this Last Supper, the Paschal Supper, in which our Lord instituted the Eucharist as well as the priesthood. 
Take and eat this in my body. Take and drink this in my blood. Do this. In memory of me. Also in the context of the Last Supper, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ gave what is called His Last Supper Discourse. We're talking now, friends, about how we can live out the day of the Lord by Mass, but strengthening family bonds. There at the Last Supper, Jesus washed the feet of the disciples, but also He said, I call you friends. Not simply servants. I call you friends. And Jesus Christ calls all of you to friendship with Him. Then our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ left His last and greatest of all commandments, which summarize all the commandments. The last and greatest commandment of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is the following. He said, Love one another. Love one another. Love one another as I love you. There is a saying in Spanish I like to quoted in Spanish and translated into English. Spanish it's this this is the this is it's a proverb. And it's candil candil in la calle candil in la calle oscuridad en la casa. I'll repeat it candil in la calle oscuridad en la casa. What does that mean? Well, it literally means a lighted candle in the street, but darkness at home. We would translate it as such. That we can be very kind and loving and accommodating and smiling and happy with people we meet outside our home. But we can return home to our family members and we're lacking in kindness to our family members. So hopefully this conversation has been been helpful to all of you. And I just took that word Sabbath from Isaiah and developed an hour talk upon it. Our Sabbath rest, my friends, our Sabbath rest, my friends, is all focused upon Sunday, which is the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord. Dies Domine, the document of John Paul II. 
which we're called to live this out by going to Mass, relishing Mass, receiving our Lord in the state of grace in Mass, then leaving Mass in trying to cultivate deeper bonds with our family members. As our Lord said, love one another as I have loved you. So I'll pray for you and you'll pray for me that we'll be able to live out the Lord's Sabbath. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you with very special graces today. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen.